0: Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My co-host, Adam Vingan, of course, at Adam Vingen on Twitter and of The Athletic, pay for good journalism. Adam, good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am doing very well, as usual, on this uh, bright and sunny Wednesday. We're taping on a Wednesday. And obviously, we've got a lot to get to today. There's Vegas Odds out for the 2021 Stanley Cup Championship. We've already got, uh, we've got a, ch- a the Stanley Cup champion to talk about today. Uh, a couple of trends in the Central Division we're going to look at. We've got some NHL draft news uh, as well. I, I just wanted to start today, and we'll get to Craig Smith and some of the free agency and some of the things that David Poyle had to say. But before we do, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. If you review the show and you post a question, you can ask Adam anything. Are you, are you okay with that? Are you willing to let people into your life a little bit? You Know maybe it's TV, maybe it's food, maybe it's yeah, fashion, most, fashion. mostly, yeah, <laughs> mostly, mostly. You'll draw a line at some point.
1: What's funny is that, um, I, I kept my private life fairly private, um, before I was married. Um, <laughs> now my wife, Bridget, uh, loves uh, for me to share things about her on Twitter or to amplify her tweets on Twitter,
0: so she likes the exposure on social media that you offer her. Yes. Interesting. Um, hopefully she doesn't listen to the show.
1: (laughs) Well, I remember back in, in December, um, uh, we did a live podcast taping. The athletic did, um, in Dallas for the winter classic. It was myself, my Dallas counterpart, Sean Shapiro and and Bob Sturm, Bob Strum. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Bob, if you're listening. I believe it's Bob Sturm, uh, who is a, a columnist for uh, the Dallas site as well as a, a talking head there on the radio. Um, and <laughs> I, my Bridget came to Dallas with me for the Winter Classic, and at one point uh, I gave her a, a shout-out during this live taping, and she
0: received some applause, and she loved it. Uh, hey, so happy wife, man. Happy wife, happy life. And if that means some exposure on the socials you you do what you got to do to keep her happy that there's no question about that so point is uh, it's Bob Sturm there there you go there it is Bob Sturm sorry Bob we would love for you to rate and review the show obviously please subscribe that's how everybody finds out about this tell all your friends and I think uh, hopefully we're uh, we want to become a part of your your predators rotation of, of content we think we're we're probably the best show in the market and obviously Adam your mind and your work and your access is what I think people want and so you can ask him anything in the review, and we will answer it on the following episode. So please post a review. Any questions you have, hockey-related or otherwise, Adam Bingen will answer them. So please, again, rate, review, and subscribe. Again, Twitter, and of course, subscribe to The Athletic. Lots of stuff to get to today. I want to start with probably the most important thing in Nashville Predators hockey right now, Adam. Okay. The Tampa Bay Lightning have a Stanley Cup, and Corey Perry does not. <laughs> well, Corey Perry had a, had a really good series, at
1: least compared to expectations he did score the uh, the overtime winner in game five to extend the series um, why would you why would you do that why would you say those
0: things because and remind people they are that?
1: factual yeah. but Fair enough. It, but it is funny that you know we we started this year with Corey Perry uh, taking the longest walk of shame in known history <laughs> uh from the ice surface at the Cotton Bowl all the way up the ramp to the area where the stars dressing room was at Cotton Bowl Stadium. Is that about fifty, sixty yards probably? Seventy yards. It I would say was at least forty to fifty yards. Okay. I mean I'm more of a metric guy, but whatever. But the the best part about that particular walk of shame were all of the people who went on social media and, and dubbed over it. I think my favorite one, um, I can't remember who it was, so I apologize for not giving proper credit, uh, but somebody spliced in the sound of Squidward walking from SpongeBob Squarepants to like the squishy yes. noise he makes yes. while he walks and just had Corey Perry walking silently up the ramp with
0: the Squidward walking sound, <laughs> with, which made me laugh. With wet skates on. With wet skates <laughs> with on. With wet skates on. Uh, so we, we'll get to the Stanley Cup. I just wanted to make sure we pointed out the biggest news in, in all of Predators hockey land right now. And that, of course, is that Corey Perry did not win the Stanley Cup. Uh, we'll get to what, what we learned from the Stanley Cup today and from the playoffs and from the bubble. And uh, But let's start real quickly with, with some of the news. Uh, Craig Smith, it appears the Predators are not going to pursue at least... For now, Craig Smith, free agency begins October 9th at 11 a.m. Central Time. Mikhail Granlund already, I believe you broke that story, already has said he's going to test free agency now. Craig Smith has, has, has decided to do that as well. Yannick Weber probably too. You and I talked about Craig Smith being someone the Predators should maybe focus on. And if you're going to bring somebody back of, the, of those higher priced items that he might be the one to do because veteran, sort of know what you're going to get, plays with a little bit of physicality, skates hard, can score some goals, and, and is he willing to take a, a small paycheck or, or maybe a small pay cut, and it does not appear that that is the case. So,
1: yes. Um, I, I reported last week that Craig Smith uh, will be entering free agency, which David Poyle confirmed yesterday, Tuesday. Um, I, I spoke to Craig's agent, Kevin Magnuson, um, who told me that the their goal in – in Craig's next contract is to receive a three-year deal. Um, David Poyle made it sound yesterday uh, that neither Craig nor Mikhail Granlund will be returning. Uh, Granlund, of course, not a surprise. Um, I reported all the way back on Labor Day that he was intending to test free agency, and it just never seemed to be a fit in the first place. Um, But I was a bit surprised uh, initially, uh, to learn that Craig Smith was going to enter free agency just because, as we previously discussed, um, with the Predators wanting to integrate prospects into their lineup, uh, as Predators assistant GM Jeff Kelty said yesterday, there is a balance between giving those prospects an opportunity and putting them in over their head. Um, Putting too much
0: pressure on their shoulders. Yes.
1: So Craig would have been, in my mind, a a perfect short-term bridge to the next generation of Predators forwards, meaning that, hypothetically, if Ellie Tolvanen was the second-line right wing to start next season, Craig Smith, perhaps on the same line with Rocco Grimaldi and Nick Bonino, which was— the most productive line by goal differential in the NHL this past season at five on five. I if think that, you need
0: to repeat that by the way, just the most productive line in the end, not on the Preds in the NHL.
1: Yes. They had a 72.5% goal differential. They out, the Predators outscored <laughs> their nuts. opponents 29 to 11 when Grimaldi, Benito and Smith were on the ice at five on five. But with, with, the hypothetical I was working with, let's just say Ellie Tolvenin starts on the second line with Matthew Shane has his struggles. You can easily put Craig Smith up there and you know what you're getting. It takes the pressure off of Tolvanen, Uh But that will not be the case. Um, yeah. And, you know, Craig Smith will be playing for another team next season, which is, which is hard to imagine. He spent his entire career in Nashville, nine seasons, 661 games. Only four players, and oh, excuse me, only three players in franchise history have played more games: uh, David Legwand, uh, Shea Weber, and Martin Erat. Um, so it, it is hard to imagine Craig Smith playing somewhere else. But you know, he he will be a hot commodity on the free agent market because he probably won't break the bank. Um, you know, I can imagine him receiving somewhere between a three and four and a half million dollar cap hit um on a a three-year contract um he can
0: that's just nine or ten million dollars the Preds may not have to spend
1: right I mean it, it I mean that is true um you know Craig Smith drives play he shoots the puck uh with no fear um so you know, I look at the the landscape of the free agent market forward wise and, and Craig Smith, you know, might be uh, an incredibly popular name. I mean, just based on my discussions with his agent, I mean, he said there are eight to 10 teams with decent cap space that could that could be a fit for Craig. Um, so I, I imagine uh, that those conversations are being had, even though the quote unquote legal tampering uh, period has been um, has been uh, eradicated. Uh, that stuff still happens. Of course it does. Um, course so it does. I imagine, and the market's
0: not exactly uh, full of awesome, talented wingers that can score twenty goals, right? So, so uh, his value goes up.
1: Yes, I, I was a bit surprised uh, that Craig Smith uh, will not be returning, um, and-, and and perhaps I was expecting David Poyle to say something yesterday to the effect of, you know, Craig will enter free agency, but we are still trying to reach an agreement. We are still interested in having a conversation. Um, His agent told me that the Predators remain a possibility. This was last week, of course, so things might have changed, but the Predators remain a possibility if they can't find what they're looking for in free agency. But David Poyle made it sound pretty concrete that Craig Smith won't be back next year.
0: Well, I, I think, you know, I don't want to say sad. I mean, he's, but he's a guy that that people love, and and like you said, fourth all time in games played. He's just a he's just Nashville Predators through and through, and and uh, a lot of playoff games. Uh, although I think you've pointed out that he hasn't scored a lot in those playoff games. But no, he has not. He's gotten this team to the playoffs a whole lot, or, or at least as a part of that. Um, a couple other names, real quickly. It sounds like they're working with Colin Blackwell to try to get him signed. Yakov Trenin did get signed a two year deal. Uh, $700,000 in the first year, $750,000 in the second year. So $1.4 million there mm-hmm. uh, for two years. He will be loaned to the KHL. But that that's a value play that I think a lot of, you know, made, he made his debut last year. He's a young player. Uh, Colin Blackwell sort of fits into the same mold. Those are the types of guys that they're going to have to have next year be productive, not just supporting role players but they're gonna have to be productive in some way shape or form and I I'd like to see them try to get Blackwell signed
1: well I thought it was interesting the way that David Poyle phrased the question about Colin Blackwell I think he said I guess you could say we're having negotiations with Colin Blackwell I don't know what that means I guess you could say we're having negotiations but you know Colin I I thought acquitted himself well uh, in his role last season and he is a player that Would not make a would not require a lot of money to resign. You know he is a league minimum player somewhere around that, maybe slightly more. Um, but it sounds like things aren't going well there either. Um, so, uh, when it comes to Yakov Trenin, we had previously discussed this. Um, was certainly considering a, a move to the KHL full time, not just being loaned there. Uh, but they were able to come to an agreement, the Predators and Trenin, on a a two-year contract. The important thing is that both years are one way, uh, which we talked about last time. That was the um, sticking point in negotiations is that uh, Trenin did not want a two-way contract. Uh, Money wasn't so much the issue as was opportunity. Um, and if he had to for some reason return to the AHL, he wanted to be paid like an NHL player in the AHL. Um, and the Predators acquiesced. Um there should be ice time, Adam. There should.
0: There should be ice there time. There should
1: be ice time. <laughs> um so I, I think that was uh that was good that was good on the Predators to get that done. Um but you know, it certainly sounds like the Predators are prepared to undergo a youth movement. We've known that now for a couple months. David Poyle reiterated that yesterday. Um, but when you think about what this team is, if their idea of change is letting these veteran free agents go and filling their spots with prospects, you know how good can this team really be? I mean, they're, mm. they have a Norris Trophy winner on the back end, his defensive partner is also excellent. Um, they have a top line that has in the past been one of the best in the league. Um, so they have pieces there uh, that make them a competitive team, goaltending yeah. as well. It's interesting because I was recently asked if I would consider what the Predators are going through to be a rebuild, and I said No. Because when I personally think rebuild, I think fire sale. I think yeah. everything must go. That was go. me on this show. I yes, asked you that. Yes, everything must go. Now. You know, I talked to so many people. I know. So <laughs> All
0: the best stuff is here, though.
1: All course. the best stuff is here. But when I think <laughs> rebuild, I think fire sale. Yeah, I no, think, I'm with you on that. I think that means every player who doesn't have protection in their contract is on the table. Now, David Poyle has said and repeated as such yesterday, I'm not going to take anything off the table. But it sounds like he is committed to a core group, an extended and expanded core group that includes their top four defensemen, Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matthias Ekholm, Dante Fabrell. their top line, Philip Forsberg, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidson. Suppose you can throw in Matt Duchesne based on his contract, UC Saros, Pecorine. That is, that is a large core, but it sounds like those are the players that the Predators intend to build
0: around. Um, so is Duchesne and Johansson the two that make that decision for David Poyle? Does that make Does that question make sense? Like if, to me, Forsberg, Arvidsson, the D guys, the goaltending, like those guys aren't questions to me necessarily. It, it feels like that Johansson and Duchesne, with the price tags and the positions, that it is about those two guys.
1: I mean, certainly. And when I when I think about those two players, first of all, Matthew Shane isn't going to be moved one year after signing the contract that he signed. And after the Predators moved heaven and earth to attempt to acquire him for years before finally signing him last summer. And I I believe that Ryan Johansson's postseason performance, I know it was a four game sample size. But listening to David Poyle, it sounds like that gave him confidence that Ryan Johansson can still be the player they have envisioned him to be, and he has shown to be in previous postseasons, specifically 2017 before he was injured
0: in 2018. So, I mean, do, though, do you think maturity is going to be a part of whether or not Ryan Johansson? Like, do you think that's a, a thing that needs to be discussed, or am I out of? Am I out? I field? mean,
1: the, the thing.
0: Uh, that I mean, I
1: I personally really enjoy Ryan Johansson. Um, the one I, I think his sense of humor, like I've done he, shows he, with him, his he, sense of humor is hilarious. Like, I is, think he's hilarious. He is a a funny guy. He's he is a goofball. And the and the thing is though that sometimes one can conflate a player's off the ice personality with their on ice personality. And I, I do think that at times Ryan Johansson does not do himself any favors, um, yeah, by that the way sense. he plays. I I don't I am never the kind of person who will ever, you know, use certain I won't use certain words to describe a, a, an athlete. Like I won't describe an athlete as lazy because you can't be lazy and be a professional athlete.
0: Even Yarmur Yager.
1: Yarmur Yager. <laughs> The guy is, what, forty. he was 45 yeah, no, and no, still you're playing right. well. You're right. Um, you're right. He's still playing somewhere in the Czech Republic, I believe. Um, I, I will not call players soft because what they go through, the physical toll they take on their bodies, I could never do. Okay. Um, but there is a, there, rightly or wrongly, there is a perception of Ryan Johansson as those things. And... It did not help when, right before he was traded to the Predators, he was scratched in Columbus, and there were reports that John Tortorella called him out for his lack of fitness. You know, Ryan Johansson, I, I have— I don't.
0: But see, I don't think that makes you soft. I, the, one of the things that doesn't come to my mind when I think of Ryan Johansson is soft. No. Because if Ryan Johansson wants to beat the tar out of you on the ice, he will do it. But he doesn't do it enough. For a right. player of his size. So what's the word then? Because I'm with you. I don't like using lazy either, but within the framework of NHL athletes, that's relative a, to NHL athletes, you can say like, hey, I need more folk." Like Kevin Fiala was a perfect example, right? We need more focus from you on the defensive end. The word that I would you know? use to describe Ryan Johansson is aloof. If Okay. I, I, because. It, that's it. what makes sense of humor so funny. Yes. Frankly. Uh, he, He'll I go would, after anybody and anything.
1: Yes. He, I would consider him to be aloof. He just has a personality where it sounds like and feels like nothing bothers him one way or the other. And I think when he isn't playing well or the team isn't playing well, fans don't want to hear that. Yeah, that makes sense. When things are going well and he's cracking jokes in press conferences and, you know, ribbing reporters and and, and having, you know, one liners, people love that. When he isn't playing well, which he did not do during the regular season, and the and the team isn't going well, and his personality is the same as it is, I think that rubs people the wrong way, and by people I mean fans. Yeah. But I I I think that's how I would describe Ryan Johansson as aloof. I I think he has it within him certainly, because we have seen it to be a dominant top six center yeah. in the NHL. Well, but wh- it's about having
0: that effort nightly, which tends to be a problem for him. So uh, a little off topic there, um, but I do think to put a bow on this short conversation aside here about Johansson and Duchesne, Duchesne, I do think that investing in that core group that you're talking about, that expanded core group, I think it's probably a smart decision. I don't, that's their best way to win in this season. There's no question about that is to build around those pieces, but it does seem like Duchesne and Johansson because of the cost and the position and the talent level those two, the team will go as those two go in the upcoming season whether they find some good supporting pieces or not so that's I just wanted to make that that point point. Um, and let, let's move on to the Stanley Cup Tampa Bay gets its second cup 2004 of course was the other year and they were a two seed in the east Dallas was a five seed in the west I just want to overall if you were going back to the old style of rankings I just want to point out you know where those teams were Tampa of course Epic collapse last year, tied the, the, the NHL record with 62 wins, got smoked by Columbus four games in a row in the first round. A lot of Tampa Bay Lightning players, you, you heard them talking about that as galvanizing and motivating and all these other things um, to be sort of embarrassed the way they were in Columbus. They finished the deal, they win the cup. They're a, they've, they've been a great team for a couple of years now, so it's not a surprise that they are the champion. My question is, what did you learn From their run to the cup, and can you really learn anything in the structure with which we just watched a championship take Uh, place—an isolated bubble for months on end—and I believe—and this was 363 days—is how long the season took. Almost to the year, almost to the to the day. A year later, the season ended.
1: I mean, under normal circumstances, we would be here talking about a, a, a season opener in a week, right? But now we're talking about the draft you know next week and free agency starting next week and um, now one thing I think the Tampa Bay Lightning learned is when when you look at how that series unfolded against the Columbus Blue Jackets last season when they were swept they they figured out what was wrong and they addressed it and the moves that they've made in free agency and at the trade deadline Bringing in players like Patrick Maroon and free agency, trading for Blake Coleman, trading for Barclay Goudreau, the, the, the grunts, so to speak, the players who are willing to do the dirty work, that, I think, helped them tremendously. Supplementing their incredible skill, you know Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov. Uh, Victor Hedman on the back end. We had, what, five minutes of Stephen Stamkos in the entire postseason. He did score. It was quite the Willis Reed moment. Um,
0: (laughs) But But for those that do not know, and I'm a diehard Knicks fan. Yes. um, For those that do not know, Willis Reed played in 1973 for the New York Knicks on like a broken leg, came out and made a bucket, went back into the locker room, and the Knicks went on to win the NBA championship. That was a long time ago out. Uh, Adam. Yes, it was. So,
1: um, just but want to make sure people it's, understand it's that It still reference. resonates decades later. No question. But, you know, I look at Tampa and, you know, I think the lesson is they had, as you said, an historic regular season last year, and they lost in four games. I think one thing that I learned, and I think the league can learn from watching Tampa win is, is that it is important not to overreact to one setback, uh, because I believe, and I'm sure I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I imagine that when you look at the sh- the sheer numbers behind Tampa's regular season last year, they were an elite team. Obviously, they were. They won 62 games. They it was gone in a week and a half, but they they did not overreact. They realized that, you know, we were doing the right things, but we need to fix a couple of shortcomings, and they did that, and they continued to be a good team. Uh, They didn't run away with it during the regular season as they did last year. But I think, you know, it would have been easy for the Lightning to fire John Cooper last year. It would have been easy for them to, to trade away core players to make a statement, but they didn't do that. And look, they are going to look a lot different next year. They have a lot of tough decisions to make. The, you know, the cap being flat, you know, does not benefit them at all. There are going to be productive players from that team who will not be back. I think of Tyler Johnson. I think of Alex Colborne. But I, I think the main lesson is, if things are going well, do not overreact to one
0: setback, even if it is a setback of historic proportions. <laughs> um, and, I, I think that's, I think that's a good lesson. Also, if you're a hockey purist, I think game six, the clinching game was sort of, um, y- you know, it, it was a exhibition in how to play a near perfect hockey game. I mean, and I think, so the the culmination of this entire story arc from last year to the collapse through this year into a pandemic, the bubble, everything, it sort of culminates in this perfectly executed 60 minutes of hockey that wins you a championship. Uh, and I, 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 it sounds like I, I've got, to, I want to spin this back to the Preds, but do you have any more? I just wanted to say that I appreciate the fact
1: that the lightning or or at least John Cooper leaned into the UVA, um, comparison. Um, I saw John Cooper do an interview with Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter center the other night after winning, and he was wearing a
0: UVA, a UVA cap. Virginia basketball lost to Maryland, Baltimore County, the only one seed in NCAA tournament history to do that, then came back and won the national championship yes. the next
1: year. And it sounds as if, though, the Lightning took lessons from UVA's similar journey. And I don't think there was any sort of connection. There was no connection between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the University of Virginia. Uh, John Cooper even said, you know, I I don't know much about their program. I don't know Tony Bennett, the head coach of the UVA basketball team, but certainly it resonated with them. And uh, I think losing in the fashion they did last year helped them get to
0: where they were now. It's funny. I did not expect to be talking about Tony Bennett and uh, the Virginia basketball team, but it is one of the most impressive interviews I have ever seen in my entire life was the post-game interview after Virginia loses to UMBC. He stands there and answers every single question in the hallway outside the locker room with players that, you know, are just destroyed young kids. And he sit there and he just, he answered every question and owned it the entire time. And you can tell that's how he spun it into the next year to find that success and let them let it, let it feel you instead of panicking and, and blowing the whole thing up. Now, Let's spin this back to the Preds different years cuz I I cannot find the connection here because obviously as an 8 seed they go to the cup, they come back and they're the most dominant team like the Lightning were 2 years ago, the most dominant team in the NHL. They lose in 7 games in the second round. So it wasn't close to the Columbus Blue Jackets type of deal. It wasn't even close. The second best team in the league beat you in 7 games. Like that's that's there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. It's not the outcome you want, but there's nothing to be ashamed of in that they came back and they won the division the next year. Certainly they didn't play well in the playoffs, <laughs> but I'm not sure what, I don't think there's a tie between you know, There's a lesson, but I don't think there's a, I don't think you can look at any of the Preds off seasons over the last three or four years and, and say, all right, this is where you can take that lesson and apply it to something you didn't do. Does that make sense? Well, I think it's, it sounds like David Poyle,
1: at least publicly, is trying to pull from the Lightning playbook and not overreact to what is happening. So it's
0: happening this offseason, you're saying?
1: I think I think so. I think this might be the equivalent of okay. last year for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and I am curious to see, you know, what... I mean, I don't think it's just going to be plugging in young players. I, I do think that there are going to be other moves, whether it's through free agency or via trade, that bring in the kind of player similar to what the Lightning did, your Patrick Maroons and your Blake Coleman's, your Barclay Goudreau's, those gritty players who can still contribute in other ways, but those gritty players, you know, like... Here's the thing: When I think of gritty players on the on the Predators, my my mind immediately goes to Rocco Grimaldi. The problem is Rocco Grimaldi is five foot seven, uh, maybe 160 pounds. No, he's not that small, but he is small. And the problem is you need more players like Rocco Grimaldi. You just need them to be bigger than Rocco Grimaldi. And I think that is what the Predators are going to be looking for, and they should be looking for um i do not think they should make a big splash in free agency i mean there are players on the free agent market who could solve their scoring woes i mean taylor hall is the is the the you know the prime forward where are you going to get that money i don't think that's going to happen um mike hoffman is another example but mike hoffman is a one-dimensional player he is a great goal scorer but he offers you nothing on the defensive end. And that's not the kind of player you need on this team. You need a player
0: who can do it. You need a bunch am- of Nick Boninos.
1: Yes. You need, you need players that have the ability to play on both ends of the ice. So, you know, I, I, per- I mean, personally, I mean, I, I wrote a story about this a couple of weeks ago when I looked at five potentially bargain-free agents. Why not try to go after Patrick Maroon? First of all, his past two teams have won the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think he just became the seventh or eighth player in NHL history to win consecutive Stanley Cups on different teams because he won with the Blues last year and the Lightning this year. He's six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds. You know exactly what you're getting. He, he's a proven winner. He's going to be a he's going to be a hot commodity. On the market. If you are looking for a player who a can bring you a bully up front, b will get in front of the net and, and and do the work that needs to be done there, and c is a proven winner. Patrick Maroon checks off all
0: of those boxes. Yeah.
1: If I am the Predators, that is a player that I look to bring in.
0: You just um, you need a bunch of Beninos and Mike Fishers. That's what you need just, you with just, a little more scoring. Just, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um. A couple of final notes here on the on the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup. Victor Hedman was the Conn Smythe Award winner. Uh, I would like to point out that I think the real reason that Tampa Bay won is that it is now the third consecutive year that the Stanley Cup champion has to have someone named Braden on the team. (laughs) Braden Holtby, of course, for the Washington Capitals. Braden Shen, and not only was Braden Point on the team, he scored the game-winning goal, and of course, Braden Shen's brother. Is on the team. <laughs> yes. So I, I think it's really clear, Adam, that the, the path to a championship is for the Nashville Predators to acquire someone named Braden.
1: So they should hire you is what you're saying. No,
0: I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good right here talking about the team.
1: There's also there was also Braden Coburn who plays for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So there were multiple Brayden. So
0: many Bradens. That's all. That's, and they're you know. all
1: spelled differently. Brayden Hulpe. No, be... they're all
0: spelled incorrectly.
1: Braden Hulpe, B-R-A-D-E-N, right? B-R-A-D-E-N.
0: Which that is how, that's he's, he's that's spelled, how you spell it, right? Yeah, he's spelled correctly.
1: Braden Shen is B-R-A-Y-D-E-N. E-N. E-N. Yep. Braden Point is
0: same same way, I think. B-R-A-Y. It's got a Y in it, which is B-R
1: A Y and then Braden Coburn, I think, is
0: B-R-A-Y-D-O-N. That's just ridiculous. I'm surprised there's not a B-R-A-I. Yes.
1: Braden Coburn is B R A Y D O N.
0: And then there's, you could also spell Braden B-R-A-I-D-E-N. Yes. Braden Point like is
1: B-R-A-Y-D-E-N.
0: Yes. So almost. You guys are almost there, Bradens. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be fine. Braden will be the only one that's doing it right, of course. Mm. It's because Barry Trotz knows which Braden to pick. Yes. <laughs> um, but lastly on the cup, in, in in all seriousness, do you think, and let's try to keep this fairly concise because I, I don't know how we can really analyze a 1964 Stanley cup to a 1988 Stanley cup to a 1998 trap era Stanley cup to a pandemic Stanley cup. I don't know how we do that. Do you think this was the hardest Stanley cup playoff that we've ever seen? Like the most difficult championship to win in NHL history, or do you think that's just a hyperbolic sort of no, I cheap talking question?
1: I think okay, here. So oftentimes you'll hear in sports when there are certain championships that there is an asterisk next to the championship. And usually asterisk denotes something negative. Steroids. Steroids or injuries, something like that. That the team that won it had an easier time winning it than they should have. There will be an asterisk on this season just because of everything that happened, but I don't think it has a negative connotation at this point. I think it has a positive connotation, and I think this is the perfect example. So Damian Cox, who is a talking head in Canada, tweeted, quote, not as difficult to win a cup when there's no road games, no travel. Still a difficult thing to win it all. Tampa gave lots of sweat and blood to make this happen, but let's not compare bubble hockey with the real thing. To which Barclay Goudreau, a member of the Tampa Bay Lightning, <laughs> retweeted and quote tweeted and said, "You try going through what we went through, not seeing yeah. our family for months, living in a hotel for 60 plus days, 24 teams that had a chance, no home advantage for either team. But hey, say what you want. I,
0: I'm 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 not a player apologist ever, but I'm I'm with I'm with them on this. Like, I agree with Barclay six, Goudreau completely. 60 days in a hotel is awful. Just that's not alone." But then isolation like that, like, and the same people, like we've all been through it during 2020 where you're just stuck on top of each other with the same people in your life. And right. I love my kids, but <laughs> I need to get out of the house, you know? But like there was a lot of talk before this started that
1: families were going to be en- be able to enter the bubble, I think during the conference finals. Um, that is when uh, I believe the series all shifted to Edmonton and they were going to allow more people into the bubble that never happened. There were, a, a, you know, a scattering of families that were able to get in, but for the most part, especially for the players who play in American cities, they were not able to have their families there as expected. Yeah. So when the Tampa Bay Lightning got off their plane yesterday with the Stanley Cup, can you imagine that feeling? It, I mean, it. I the Lightning had a live stream, and I watched a couple of minutes of it. It was really something to behold. I mean, the the people were coming off the plane. You know, John Cooper gets off the plane. His kids are there. They run up to him. They gave him a hug. I mean, John Cooper had not seen his children in two months. and
0: I'm not going to compare it to to military service because that's obviously not, you know, rational. But that visual is the same type of visual that you think of in movies or in TV scripts when you see— someone returned from service and that family just is so happy to see each other like that was the vibe for my, sure. my favorite i think my favorite quote
1: from the bubble experience was jeff halpern who is an assistant coach with the lightning former player played for the capitals actually did play for the lightning at one point if i'm not mistaken i think was asked about his experience in the bubble and, and what it was going to be like to see his family and he said you know my eight-year-old is now a 13-year-old like jokingly. Um, so I think we've all aged that
0: much. Yeah. So, six months.
1: you know, I, I agree with, with Goudreau completely. I mean, I think when you consider all of the obstacles, the fact that the season was paused in March, they had to come back in, in July and hold a training camp. They had to live in a bubble environment for two months. They did not have home ice advantage. They could not see their families. They had to, uh, they had, I mean, the NHL deserves a lot of credit. Zero positive COVID tests throughout the entire bubble process. They had to make sure that they that's stayed a, healthy.
0: That's an impressive note. Yeah.
1: They had to, they had to stay healthy. Um, considering all of the circumstances, you know, this arguably was the, the hardest Stanley Cup to win. So, to though I completely disagree with the idea that this was somewhat easier because of yeah. the circumstances,
0: I think it was, dramatically harder I agree I agree with that um, all right let's look at the odds for next year Stanley Cup are already out and and I wanted to package a couple of the topics here together Adam and that is glancing at the Central Division with Dallas playing in the, in the Cup final Dallas this year St. Louis winning the Cup last year Nashville in 17 of course losing the Cup and then Chicago in 15 winning the Cup of course there's the Blackhawks in 13 and in 10 Detroit in 08 and 09 as well winning and losing in, in those two years that's all Central Division stuff but Four different teams in the last six years from this division have now made it to the Stanley Cup final. And the number one team to win the entire Cup, according to Vegas Odds next year, isn't any of those four teams. It isn't Winnipeg, who, of course, had, had again, two years ago, the second best team in the world. It is the Colorado Avalanche. I am not surprised that they are the Vegas Odds favorite to win the Cup next year. And it would make... Colorado the fifth different team from the central division to get to the finals should that I mean a million things have to happen I'm not just giving them the the trip to the to the cup here but you get my point right which is not only do we already have four or five years of who knows who's gonna pop out of the central division and challenge for a championship but now the front runner is a different team <laughs> than all these other teams that have competed. I guess it just shows you how complicated and how difficult this division truly is right now. Again, remind people, Nashville was one point out of finishing second to last in the Central.
1: I, I, I chose Colorado to win the Stanley Cup when the 16-team field was set after the qualifying round. Of course, I was wrong. They lost in the second round um, to the Dallas Stars. Um, they have a lot to look forward to. Um, they're young. They're incredibly talented. They have the right mix of players. Um, and when I look at Dallas, for example, we, we talked a lot about Tampa. When I look at Dallas, and you think of the players that played significant roles in that postseason. I mean, you, we mentioned Corey Perry scoring a big goal. Joe Pavelski, I believe, became the highest scoring American player in Stanley Cup playoff history. He's not getting any younger. But, you had Miro Heishkinen. You had John Klingberg. You had Dennis Gurianov, who had a, a hat trick, um, I believe, in the clinching game uh, of the Western Conference final. Um, I may be mistaken on that. Um, but they had young players step up and deliver. And the Avalanche have those players, too. I mean, we, you know, McKinnon is still in his prime, um, Rantanen. Uh, Kale McCarr, they have a great prospect system. Um, so when... All the rookies of the year. <laughs> all the rookies of the year, as we discussed last time. Um, so there was a lot to like about Colorado. There is There is a lot to like about Dallas. Um, Jamie Benn had a career renaissance in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, Tyler Sagan was hit and miss, but still proved to be an effective player overall. Um, I... You know, I I look at where this division is going. I mean, you mentioned Winnipeg. You know, they lost, I think, four of their top six defensemen entering last season. They lost Jacob Truba. They lost Dustin Bufflin. Um, For example, um, Connor Hellebuck received a lot of MVP love, which he absolutely deserved. Um, But... There's the potential of them moving on from Patrick Line. A. There are rumors abound about them trading Patrick Line, A, but they still have Nikolai Ehlers. They still have Kyle Connor. They still have Mark Shifley. They still have Blake Wheeler. <laughs> you know, they, of those names you just rattle right those are it's, studs. Not, it, it, it's not as if though they're, they're hurting for talent up front, um, and you know that's why you know the Predators. If I the Predators were what thirty three to one, was that correct?
0: I, I do not actually the, the list I saw only took they they weren't even on the list. Oh, I the think list the list I that I saw had the predators at thirty three to one, which was That's, in the which is in the bottom half. that sounds about right. So the list that I found was was uh, Colorado at eight to one, Vegas at ten to one, Tampa at ten to one, Boston at eleven, uh, Philly at thirteen, Pittsburgh at fifteen with Washington at fifteen. We'll get to Washington in just a second. St. Louis was second in the central at seventeen plus seventeen hundred, which is seventeen to one, right? Uh, Toronto plus 1800 Dallas, the next team in the central, uh, the 10th place team plus 2000 Edmonton at plus 2100 and Carolina at plus 2200. And that was as far as the list went. So I'm assuming that, I mean, if I was going to guess out of 31 teams, I would say Nashville would be 22nd, 23rd. Yeah, they, 20, were, 21st they, were definitely,
1: they were definitely in the bottom half of the discussion. And just to give you a sense, because I know this is something that you wanted to talk about, my colleague at The Athletic, Craig Custance, yesterday published what he called the Athletics 2020 Salary Cap Era NHL Franchise Rankings. And how he did this, it was a scoring system ranking every NHL franchise since the salary cap was implemented before the 2005-2006 season. So here are the scoring. Here's how he scored them. If your team won the Stanley Cup, you received 11 points. If you lost in the Stanley Cup final, you received 5 points. If you lost in the conference final, you received 3 points, and if you made the playoffs, you made you you received 1 point. So the so they were broken up into tiers. So tier 1 the heavyweights. Pittsburgh was number 1 with a total of 50 points. Sure. Chicago, 2, 44 points. Boston and LA tied at 3 with 29 points as well as with Tampa at 29 points tier two the light heavyweights tier three the middleweights which is where the predator showed up tied for 13th with 16 points and this is what craig wrote quote the predators have only missed the postseason three times since the salary cap kicked in a credit to strong drafting and a gm and david poyle not afraid to make the big move this isn't an easy team to assess though there's talent for sure in a defense that stacks up with anyone, but the jury is still out on whether the large bets on Ryan Johansson and Matt Shane will pay off.
0: There you have it. I think that I know the point system sort of dictates where every team falls. Yes, but I I don't think it's inaccurate. I think I don't think so either. I, I think I, they're a, I think they're a top end middleweight.
1: Yeah. I mean, As a
0: franchise, over that's again that's over fifteen years. That's not going into this season. Right. That's about what they've accomplished. The last I mean, they years. have
1: not missed the postseason in six years. I mean, there is only one team in the NHL that has a longer active postseason streak than the Predators, and that's the Penguins. Um, so the Predators are getting to the playoffs every year. Of course, they're not translating that into Stanley Cups, but they are getting there, which is a feat. In unto itself, at this point, though, the Predators should no longer be happy to be there. The fans are no longer happy to be there just to make the playoffs. At one point, it was when yep, I when, agree, and 15 years ago, longer, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, the Predators were happy to make the playoffs. If they gave Detroit a good series, yeah, those San days Os- are or San Jose a good series, yep. that was fine. No, we've graduated, Th- those. those yep. days are over. Um, so. You know, I, I think Greg, uh, Craig, Greg, Craig summed it up quite nicely.
0: Uh, real quickly here. Can you give me like, this is hard for me to do. So I understand as someone who blathers on for his, his career. Um, And, and can you give me one sentence on a team? If I gave you a list of teams and I needed you to explain up or down in 2021. Could you do that? Sure. All right. St. Louis won the division, 94 points up or down in 2021.
1: Down. Down. Uh, and I believe that is tied to the future of Alex Petrangelo, who appears to be going to free agency. Um, if they lose him, they're going to get worse. So down.
0: 12 years, I believe, as the captain of that team with a cup and now uh, parting ways potentially. Colorado, 92 points, second in the division. Obviously, we up. all think up. Uh, Dallas, 82 points. Not that much better than Nashville, 78, but they did make it to the Stanley Cup, third place, up or down.
1: Can I say stagnant? That's fair. I don't see them improve, improving dramatically. I also don't see them, you know, falling off, the, so to speak. The, I think they're
0: right around where they should be, right around when they be. Third place in the division next yeah. year? Yeah, I agree. There's there's a foundation there, for sure. Winnipeg at 80 points. This is the interesting one to me because you rattled off all those great names, but it also feels like they're, like the Predators, trending in the wrong direction, up or down? Down. Um, okay.
1: I, I think as I said, they have a lot of great talent. Um, I'm very curious to see what happens with Patrick line this off season. Um, but they have a patchwork defense and Connor Hellebuck had a great season, but I do not expect him to be able to replicate such a performance. It would be very hard for anybody to do that. So I will say down
0: Nashville predators. One sentence Up down, or down, down from, from fifth place.
1: Well, maybe stagnant, I just think that if this team is, is committed to giving the youth of their organization a chance, even with the the expanded core that I rattled off earlier, I don't see them making a lot of ground on those teams at the top of the division. So maybe maybe stagnant,
0: but I, trending I can see, toward down. I could see fifth. That's fine. Is it because of the division, or is it because— I think it's a a combination of both. Minnesota, 6th place, 77 points, only one point back at Nashville when the season was paused. Up or down? Down.
1: Uh, I think they've made some curious trades this offseason, particularly trading Eric Stahl for Marcus Johansson. Uh, I don't think that trade made a lot of sense on the ice for the Wild. Um, There are some things there to be excited about, um, but... Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter are not getting any younger. In fact, they're mm-hmm. getting older very quickly. Um, Miko Koivu is not returning. Um, so I see next year sort of a transition year for the Wild. Okay. So I say
0: down. Chicago, up or down? Last place. Up. I guess they can't go
1: down. I, guess. I think they're going to go up. Um, I was impressed with Chicago. Um, I think the one thing that is going to hold them back is what happens in goal um if they can get Corey crawford to re-sign, that helps after that you know it's not like they had you know they had a great one-two punch with robin leonard and Corey crawford they traded leonard of course to the vegas golden knights at the trade deadline because they didn't expect to make the playoffs and they did and they won a round um they defeated the edmonton oilers in the qualifying round i have a hard time counting out any team that has jonathan taves and patrick kane on it because yeah, i thought fair. jonathan taves was great in the bubble um so i will say up for chicago
0: uh, all right, there you go. That wraps up sort of a glance at the division following the Dallas Stars loss. Corey Perry doesn't have a cup. Um, <laughs> NHL draft, we'll quickly hear a note. October 6th, Tuesday, round one, 6 p.m. Central time. October 7th, next Wednesday, rounds two through seven. Uh, the Preds actually, this should be fun for the Preds actually because they have five picks in the top 75 slots. They, they go 11th. Then the New Jersey pick at 37 is theirs, their slot at 42nd overall in the second round. They have Minnesota's pick in the third round, I believe, with the 70th selection and the 73rd pick. So five new players in the top 73. There's a chance there for David Poyle to do some work, uh, which he's done pretty well the last couple of drafts, I would say, uh, with very minimum amount of capital. Uh, And then lastly, lastly, and we'll do some draft talk next week on the show, but... Lastly, Peter Laviolette gets a job. He is the head coach of the Washington Capitals. Yes. This is his fourth NHL head coaching job. He has been to the Stanley Cup in in all, in all of them. He took Carolina and won it. He took Philly and lost it. He took the Predators and lost it. He's now headed back to Washington. Not the first time a National Predators coach has gone to coach the Washington Capitals. No. Um, so, of course, he's going to win a cup there, <laughs> um, as Barry Trotz did. Uh, what What did you make of this move? Washington is listed here as a top six or seven option, according to the Vegas odds to win the cup. We know Lavi gets a lot out of players in the first few years that he is around a club and around a team. You know, I I could see it working out for Washington in the short term. I think going to a big media market with a lot of people is, is going to be a little bit of a, an awakening for Peter Laviolette, the the character, but I think he, I imagine Washington would be pretty good in the first, first two years.
1: Yeah. I think you nailed it. Um, and, And I think that was what, the capitals had in mind among other things when they hired peter um i am curious to see how it goes um you know because i think of what he had when he came here versus what he has now um i i look at what he has now similarly to when he became the coach of the carolina hurricanes because that was a veteran team um 15 years ago rod brendamore on that team rod brendamore among others. Um, and when you listen to those players discuss Peter's time there, they weren't quite fond of him early on um, during the lockout season. Um, certainly changed his tune, came back and, and was, a, was not as much of a hard ass, um, st- you know, still a hard ass, not as much of a hard ass. And it, <laughs> it was only one way to go. Adam. Right. And ultimately <laughs> led to a Stanley cup. Um, So he he comes into this situation. It's a similar situation. The Capitals won the Stanley Cup two years ago. They have a veteran heavy dressing room uh, with players who recently tasted the ultimate success. Alex Ovechkin, Nicholas Backstrom, TJ Oshie, uh, Tom Wilson, Evgeny Kuznetsov. Um, So... I I am interested to see what approach Peter takes because I don't think he needs to go in there. And I mean, he needs to give them a kick in the rear end. I think the problem with the Capitals under Todd Reardon, their previous coach, was that the structure that Barry Trotz instilled started to slip. And while you can certainly argue against Peter's uh, definition of structure, um, I, I think he is closer to Barry in that regard than he than than Ty Reardon is/slash was. Um, so I, I think it will be good for them to have a bit more uh, of uh, a firmer hand um, in the dressing room. But the 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 rah rah motivational stuff, I'm not sure that's how that's going to play yeah. with a with that roster versus the roster Peter got here six years ago, which was filled with younger players. Yeah. Um, so I, I I will be watching quite intently, um, how that goes.
0: And we've talked about this a lot. I think it's a good move for Washington. I, I I would, I don't have a problem with the move if I'm, if I'm a Capitals fan, I I do think that his time spent here, while we talked about his sort of evolution from that hard ass and sort of maybe being a little less hard ass ish, whatever that, that, that word it needs to be. Um, you know, I don't think his skin has gotten any thicker. So I, I think you, no. I think I think you co- and this is this is not just a, a, a hockey thing in this town in Nashville. The media is pretty soft, and I'll put myself and everybody else. You are not in that group. We but, <laughs> you, you don't count as this. But no, but, but I understand, as a what you're media, say. yeah, Nashville as a media market's pretty like, oh hey guys, what's up, man? We're like pretty, we're, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty chill. laid back. We're pretty, chill. we're pretty
1: laid back, and it's just the vibe of the city. And and he
0: still had some thin skin here. Yes,
1: he did. And when I think of Washington, because, you know, from my previous experience, you know, Washington is not as vicious of a sports market as Philadelphia. And you can go back 20 years when Peter was coaching the Islanders um, in New York. um, But it is tougher than it is here. Some of that is just the sheer number of people. There will be more people around Peter Laviolette every day in Washington than there were in Nashville, there will be more people asking the tough questions in Washington than there were in Nashville. Um, certainly, as I explained to my my Washington colleagues and friends, um, their enlightening press conferences that they had under Barry Trotz and to an extent Todd <laughs> Reardon, and then if you go back further, Bruce Boudreau, gone. Those are gone. Um, <laughs> but um, I I imagine that. Some of the things that Peter might have been able to get away with here yeah. will not happen in Washington. Um you know, for I mean I I was the I was the primary uh I was the primary target? primary target.
0: <laughs> um there will be more uh, of those uh, people. Y- you were not the only primary target. Just gonna leave it at that. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> you 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 were the uh the most public topic. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, all right, uh, great stuff as usual, man. Uh, always a pleasure talking with you. Please rate, review, and subscribe. If you drop a review in there, AMA, right? Ask ask us anything, ask me anything. If you yes. put it on there, we'll make sure that, that Adam uh, gets it. And uh, always appreciate you, man. Follow him on Twitter, at Adam Bingen. Subscribe to The Athletic, of course, as well, right? All right, yes, please do. Absolutely. We'll be back again next week. My name's Braden Gall, at Braden Gall on Twitter. Thanks for listening to The Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network.